Using Quapi and Nursing Homes, Part 3. A Conversation with Patty Austin. This discussion features an animated video. To watch the video, find the link in the description of this podcast. Good afternoon and welcome to our series of webinars focused on bringing you information about COVID-19 related topics. The information in these weekly webinars is geared toward long-term care and skilled nursing facilities, but we encourage everyone who is interested to attend. Today is our final discussion in our three-part series on using QAPI in nursing homes. QAPI is a quality improvement process. The QAPI stands for Quality Assurance and Performance Improvement. Each week, we've discussed a different method or stage in the QAPI process. So far, we have covered brainstorming and root cause analysis. And today we will be talking about PDSA or Plan, Do, Study, Act. My name is Kathy Caudill. I'm a communication specialist with Quality Insights. And now I'd like to introduce our guest today, Patty Austin. Patty is a quality improvement specialist at Quality Insights. She has been working in the skilled nursing arena for the past 29 years. After starting her career as a nursing assistant, and leaving the front lines as a director of nursing, the variety of perspectives that Patty has enables her to see the big picture that helps nursing facilities create lasting change within their communities. Patty has been with Quality Insights since 2016, and she considers it a privilege to be able to interact with so many different facilities on a variety of topics each day. Patty, welcome and thank you again for joining us for a third week in a row. Thank you, Kathy. And hi again, everybody. Can you believe here we are at the end of our three-part QAPI series? I have to tell you, I have had a lot of fun getting these together for you guys. And during the past two weeks, we have looked at different pieces of the QAPI process and introduced some new tools, well, some new tools and some old tools to help us to look at ways to operationalize those pieces into our daily routine. Our first session started us off with the idea of brainstorming to determine where our focus needed to be. Brainstorming kind of shines a floodlight on an issue and then helps you to focus that light and illuminate a specific area that you'll then move forward in the problem-solving process. And during the next week, we took that focused area from our brainstorming session and we moved it to the root cause analysis phase of the QAPI process. In the root cause analysis phase, that's where we really get to explore our area of focus and take what our floodlights found and then put it under a microscope, really deconstruct it and see what our problem is made out of. And then finally, today, we're going to get to take the root of that problem, the very seed that started our problem growing, and we're going to get to engage with how we can then move forward in correcting that problem. So we're going to tackle fixing the problem today. A couple of reminders before we jump in. Remember that for our efforts to become fully integrated into our facility culture, we have to do those couple of things first. We need to set those clear expectations. We can't assume that our communities are going to do what we want them to do just because we might have suggested it's a good idea or because we use QAPI sometimes. We have to expect that the process is followed every time by everyone. And then, of course, we have to educate. Education is our bread and butter, and QAPI isn't any different. 
But remember that as you move forward, you're going to have people with differing educational needs with regard to QAPI, and that none of us stop learning when it comes to quality improvement. And often, practice is the best way to educate when it comes to QAPI. What that means, though, is that you have to keep an open mind and don't expect that everything is going to be perfect all of the time. After all, the process itself is designed to be a small rapid test of change, and then that change is revised until the best solution is determined. It is not meant to be a one and done fix. The atmosphere that you create around expectation, education, and practicing is gonna go a long way to creating the final piece of the puzzle, and that's getting buy-in from your community. One way to think about community buy-in is that people are gonna do what they're told to do as long as someone's looking. The people are gonna do what they believe in regardless of who is looking. So we wanna try to create something that people really believe in. Those Paltoons that we've introduced over the past couple of weeks are gonna help you to achieve all of those goals, creating expectations, educating, and then facilitating buy-in. And again, for those who are watching this series for the first time, Paltoons are short animated videos that convey a message in a simple format. They are perfect for play in a break room or lobby. They work well to introduce a topic at the beginning of a meeting. And they're also a great mechanism to use during resident or family council meetings when you wanna introduce a new idea to your population. We've mentioned in the past that Paltoons and the QAPI process itself isn't designed just to be used by staff. Those tools can be used very successfully with families, residents, and other stakeholders. For some reason, it's interesting. That concept is easy for people to accept when you're talking about brainstorming and root cause analysis. When it comes to PDSA, people kind of tend to shy away from bringing in others who they might consider outsiders into the PDSA cycle. However, it's really a wonderful idea to include those non-staff members into the PDSA process. A family member can really help tremendously when you're in that planning phase in some cases. And really who better to help during the study phase than the residents who are impacted by the changes you're making. And again, circling back to the idea of creating buy-in for something, those people who are impacted by any change are much more likely to believe in the need for change and in fact the change itself if they've been involved in creating the solution. And getting that type of buy-in is what leads to sustainable change. But you know what, before we get too far into the process itself, let's watch that Paltoon. For those of you who have recently completed an RCA, consider how you would move that RCA into the correction phase as you watch our Paltoon. The staff at Caring Hearts Nursing Home recently identified that COVID-19 booster rates reported by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services were unexpectedly low among residents. They used a root cause analysis to determine that the data had not been properly submitted because the new infection control nurse had not received training on how to do so. We'll use Quapi's Plan Do Study Act method to take corrective action. Step one of PDSA is to plan. 
You do this by asking, what exactly are we going to do? Let's make a plan. What are we going to do to ensure that we're correctly reporting booster data at Caring Hearts? Let's plan to have the infection control nurse complete the CDC modules on vaccination administration. Since I'm in charge of staff development, I will implement this plan. We should also plan to make time available for her to dedicate herself to do the modules. I'll make sure we're staffed to cover her shift during her training. We should also plan to make sure she's using the appropriate website. And we should determine a backup person to complete the education as well in the event of an unexpected absence. Let's have the assistant director of nursing take the training too and make time for him to train as well. Sounds like a plan. Step two of PDSA is do. Establish a time and how you will implement the plan and then do it. Sorry I was reporting the booster data wrong. I thought I was doing it correctly. It's okay. We're going to make sure all nurses reporting data get the training they need going forward. We've covered your shift this morning, so you'll have time to complete the education modules. Here's the website you'll be using. Who will report the booster data on days when I'm off or can't come to work? The assistant director of nursing will cover for you. He'll be taking the training this afternoon. I've reviewed your data now that you're done with the modules. It looks like you have a solid grasp on entering the NHSN data now. Do you have any questions? No, I think I have a handle on it now. Step three of PDSA is study. Analyze the results to see if the correction fixed the problem. It's been a month since our last meeting. Let's study the results. Did our plan work? I studied the upcoming week's data entry. It reflects the facility maintained the data exactly. So do the subsequent three weeks. That's great. Since our study shows our planning and doing were effective, the last step is to act. The final step in PDSA is to act. Decide what changes your facility is going to make going forward based on your findings. Let's make some new standard procedures to ensure we report the correct booster data going forward. Any suggestions? We should add the NHSN education to the onboarding process for appropriate staff members. At a minimum, the infection control nurses and assistant directors of nursing should be trained. And we should develop official pre- and post-training tests to ensure competency. We should monitor booster data weekly for the next eight weeks to ensure continued compliance. After that, we can move to quarterly review during QAPI infection control reporting. We'll act accordingly. Thank you, everyone, for helping assure quality and improve performance at Caring Hearts. Let's review some of the tools we've learned. QAPI stands for Quality Assurance and Performance Improvement. It's an ongoing process to maintain and improve safety and quality in nursing homes. When you identify a problem that threatens quality or safety, start by brainstorming with your team. To brainstorm, select a leader and a recorder. Define the problem or idea. Set up rules for the session. 
start the brainstorming session, and use the final list to start a flowchart process. When you've got your final list, pick an item and conduct a root cause analysis, or RCA. One way to conduct an RCA is the five whys technique. Start by defining the problem and be specific. Then ask, why does this occur? Continue this process asking why until you've uncovered the root cause of the problem. Remember, you don't have to ask why five times, just until you get to the root of the cause. When you think you've uncovered the root cause, Address the problem with PDSA, plan, do, study, and act. Start by planning. Ask, what exactly are we going to do? Next, establish a time and how you will implement the plan, and then do it. Analyze the results to see if the correction fixed the problem. Finally, Decide what changes your facility is going to make going forward based on your findings. Then act on those changes. Now you understand the steps associated with the QAPI process. If you would like to review each step in detail again, we encourage you to go back and watch part one in this series focused on brainstorming, part two in this series focused on root cause analysis, or review this video again part three in this series, focused on plan, do, study, act. We hope this series has helped you understand how you can better implement the QAPI process at your facility. In keeping with the theme of the last two episodes, this Paltoon is concise and intended to be easily understood regardless of clinical background, making it great to use with various audiences but let's take a closer look at the PDSA process itself. Just like brainstorming and RCA, this area does have pitfalls that if you're not identifying them can easily derail a really great root cause analysis. When a PDSA does not produce the expected outcome, you and most importantly, your team need to realize that in most cases, the plan you put in place first is not going to be the final plan you move forward with. The cycle itself is meant to be fluid and tweaked until eventually arriving at the actual correction of the problem. PDSA is referred to as rapid cycle change. You develop a plan, you try it, you study the outcome, and then you put it in place. But you can't forget the other side of that act step. Your action may not be to implement the change that you're testing, but to change the plan in either a small way or sometimes a large way and move it again back through that cycle. And it's for this reason that PDSA cycles are intended to be trialed on small segments of your population rather than whole house. It's much easier to implement a plan and to monitor the results of change in a small area or a small segment of your population. Using small tests of change also offers a couple of other benefits that are sometimes overlooked. For example, doing a test of change involving one unit for two weeks allows you to have a comparison unit to add to your study phase. Consider for just a moment, part of the planning phase is to collect baseline data so that you understand what you're trying to move away from or trying to correct. 
So let's use falls as an easy example to discuss. Your root cause analysis determines that falls are increased after dinner due to staff level changes during employee mealtime. When you collect that baseline, you know that you're averaging five falls after dinner every month and that three of those falls are happening on the unit that you're gonna test. Part of your study phase will be not only to see if falls decrease, but to then ensure that the falls decrease on the unit that you're actually testing on. Without the ability to compare your tested intervention to areas without an intervention applied, you might assume that just because falls decreased by two, that intervention was successful. Using the comparison group, you're able to see that while falls may have decreased by two whole house, the unit that you're testing on didn't show a decrease at all. Therefore, your intervention is unproven and requires further study. So let's look at maybe another motivating factor to adhering to that small test of change theory. Imagine that your intervention is that you're gonna schedule a group activity after dinner to provide a more structured area for observation in order to decrease those falls. If you attempt to implement that whole house, you might overlook things like activities doesn't have the staff at that time of the day to handle the influx of residents or that they need to adjust their break times to accommodate the new need. The failure, failure to realize those things might actually lead to an increase instead of a decrease in falls. Whereas if you start small with one unit, potential problem areas are able to be seen before they can derail the process. In both cases, starting with one unit or moving into whole house, the plan is most likely going to need to be changed before being acted on. However, you might avoid a negative outcome if you start small. You're also going to be able to support the idea of facility buy-in because you're showing your willingness to make sure that you're not just randomly throwing solution darts at a dartboard without taking aim to make sure that you come as close to the bullseye as possible. Finally, most importantly maybe, nothing can be more defeating than having your staff make broad-based changes to systems, only then to say, you know what, never mind, that didn't work, we're going to go back to the old way. When this happens, it has the potential to cripple the entire buy-in process, maybe even force you back to step one, creating expectations. Sometimes the plan that you trial is going to be an epic failure and you do need to start back at the beginning. In the event that that happens, the way that you handle it is going to determine how much fallout you might experience. I'm going to suggest that transparency here is going to be key. Rather than saying, well, that didn't work, back to the old way, try reviewing that process as a whole and bringing the team together to determine why the plan didn't work as it was intended and then create that spirit of moving forward together as a team to find the next solution. That's gonna allow your entire team to gain valuable insight and actually strengthen the buy-in to the process. Acknowledging the missteps taken in the plan and the need to reset before moving forward is gonna be vital. So again, switching gears just a little bit. As I was getting ready to talk with you guys, I was trying to decide how I was going to organize what I wanted to say. And I started to try to figure out what the most important part of the PDSA process was. 
but very quickly realized that question does not have an answer. Each and every part of that process relies equally on the others, and a failure at any step in the process can defeat the project in its entirety. Sometimes, lack of attention to one area can undermine the process the whole way back to brainstorming, maybe even back to the buy-in process itself. So I thought it might be useful to kind of highlight that idea by focusing on what can go wrong when you don't take an area seriously enough within a PDSA cycle. So it's really easy to want to shortchange the planning phase. That phase, after all, requires the most work, but without a strong plan, we can't really hope to move forward successfully. To plan well, you have to consider what you hope to change, how you think you can change it, and what you think is going to stop you from reaching that desired change. You also have to think about things like, where are you going to trial your change? How long will that trial last? Who's going to monitor the progress? And then how you're going to report the findings of your test of change. So let's take a look at something that seems minor and easy to fix. You might have received multiple complaints that the variety of snacks have changed and people aren't getting what they want during that evening snack pass. Without a second thought, you request a diet that the dietary department increases the amount of snacks that are being sent to the units. And you just really never give it another thought. Two months later, the Department of Health shows up on a complaint and you're cited for allowing too much time between food offerings and resident choice. Upon further investigation, you realize increasing snacks didn't solve your problem because a large volume of snacks were being given to a small card playing circle at the beginning of the snack pass. And they were taking what many people would be considering the good stuff from the snack cart. And that was leaving snacks low at the end of the pass. Planning with more attention to detail might have allowed you to designate a snack basket for the card group and then continue to provide that variety of snacks to everyone. Even simple problems need intentional planning. In that same scenario, imagine that you decide to provide that snack basket to your card group as your intervention. When you put that plan into place during the do phase, another group in the activities lounge sees the card players getting their snack basket and they want one too. But your staff knows that this is an intervention because some are missing snacks at the end of the pass, so that second group is denied their basket. You don't have anybody monitoring the situation, so that goes unnoticed and unreported. Could be that that's the very group that ends up bringing in the Department of Health a couple months from now. In this case, the act of implementing a solution created an unanticipated problem. Now let's look at the study phase. When your team moves to this phase, you check with the people who originally brought the snack concern forward and they are very satisfied. They are once again getting the stacks that they expected. So you consider the intervention a success and you close the book on the subject. Unfortunately, you didn't take the whole situation into consideration. You didn't look at the unanticipated changes that you might have discovered had you been paying a little bit closer attention. And you don't know about the unhappy group who would have also liked a basket. You're unaware of the impact maybe to the dietary department budget. And you don't have any idea what happens to the snack baskets on Tuesdays and Thursdays when the card club doesn't even meet. 
Although you consider the action complete and during your act phase, your plan is to just continue to provide that group snack basket, the issue most likely needed a revision to look at several different areas to ensure that you're reaching your goal without creating those unanticipated problems. As you can see, each area kind of fits snugly with the other areas and one miscue might impact multiple other areas. So I think we can safely say that all areas are equally as important. Although I could continue for much longer talking about the QAPI process, that brings us to the end of our QAPI series. All right, so before we sign off, I wanted to let you all know that I put the links to our three PAL tunes in the chat if you would like to watch those. For those of you who are listening to this in a recording later on, I will include those links in the episode description. If you want to contact Patty directly, you can reach her at 1-800-642-8686 and enter extension 7633. You can also email her at paustin at qualityinsights.org. And you can also check out our other interviews by visiting qualityinsights.org slash QIN slash multimedia. Patty, thank you for joining us for the third week in a row. Thank you, Kathy.